Welcome back to Asked by Ayana. Today, I'm joined by Katie Crenshaw, who is a best-selling author, maternal mental health advocate, and speaker, and a total delight to follow online and interact with and just like a ray of sunshine in my Instagram feed. So I am so excited to chat with her. Katie, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. That was so nice, especially because um, I feel the same way about you. I've loved following your journey since pre-baby and all the way to now. I would love for you to share more about yourself and the work that you do. Sure. So I, I'm by by purpose, I would say I'm a writer and a creator and a documenter. So I've been doing that for um, as long as I've been an adult. I started at my first blog, I started like in 2008 or so um, documenting like my first pregnancy and all those kinds of things. And after my second child was born, I was working in healthcare and couldn't go back to work because um, it's like America and there were lots of issues with trying to find like childcare and I worked night shift and whatever. So I kind of, the best plan was for me to stay home, even though that was like not what I wanted. Uh, I never really wanted to be a stay at home mom and I knew it would be important to have another like creative Avenue. So I started another blog where I decided uh, in 2015 that I would talk about maternal mental health and having been divorced and just like some of the more touchy subjects, uh, I guess. And I, I started out to be a writer. I was, my goal was to be featured like in the Huffington Post and on Scary Mommy. And it was kind of before Instagram really went crazy. Um, and then after I had my first viral article, uh, which was about my daughter and her, her birthmark and the weird perception of beauty standards that I got around that, um, I, people started asking me if I was monetized and I was like, I don't know what that means. And then I just kind of started staying up at night, like Googling and Pinteresting articles and trying to figure out if this was something I could make money off of. And that's where I, that's where I got my start. So 2015 was when I first started the monetized blog that has kind of taken me to where I am now, which is a multi-platform situation and um, lots of great connections and experiences. I would love to hear more about your experience going viral because from personal experience, it can be a lot, (laughs) especially, I mean, the funny thing is it's like, you know, everyone uh, like online and like online marketers, whatever, like people are like, how do you go viral? How do you go viral? And I feel like at least for me, it's always been the content that I'm like, I'm just going to publish this and see what happens. And then it's like, oh, wow, everyone is liking and reading and sharing this. It's, It's so funny how that happens. Yes. And for me, every time it's happened, it's also been like really, really personal information, which makes sense because that's what people want to read about. Like the touchy, controversial, you know, makes sense. But um, especially so early in doing this, I almost quit. Um, I wrote, actually wrote an article way back then called like going viral, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Cause I was like, I need people to know this is not fun. <laughs> like I literally, yes, I, especially if it's related to parenting, because like there is no, there are no meaner people on the internet than mom shamers that are like out to tell you why you don't deserve to have your child. <laughs> and yes. everything I've ever gone viral for is like something that somebody can link to me being a terrible mom. I mean, I wrote a piece about my daughter's birthmark and people were in the comments like, telling me I was a terrible mom for not having her plastic surgery 
to prevent her being bullied. I mean, like people were just so over the top. And um, when I say viral, like that one was picked up by like all the major news outlets. We we were like, we had a piece on Inside Edition. So it was like everywhere. Wow. Not just my safe bubbles of, of people. <laughs> like yeah. Yahoo News, like the Fox News, like really scary uh, audiences that were like ripping me to shreds. So that was only a few months into you know, me really going full force with this. And I, yeah, I wanted to quit. Um, But what I learned through that process, and then every other time, um, having pieces get spread more about like maternal mental health, and my experience, things like that, um, were the people who needed it always kept me going. So like, I try to focus on the people who really were impacted or needed the message or felt less alone. And that was just kind of always what kept me going. So, but yeah, going viral is mostly horrible. I completely agree. Um, I think that I really struggle with reading the comments because I'm I'm always like, don't read the comments. Like you don't need that to other people. But then anytime that anything happens, I'm like, I need to know every single thing that people, and you know, it's it's always like, a lot of positive stuff and a lot of encouraging stuff, but then you'll get people who are just like awful for no reason. And I, I, I've been there where I'm like, should I have shared this? Like what? It just, the cruelty of strangers, honestly, is just like so incredibly, it's just so I'm, breathtaking I'm re- almost. Yeah. Yeah. I'm reading The Light We Carry by Michelle Obama right now. Yes, I don't know if you've yeah. read it yet. It's so good. But anyway, she, I just, she just said something today that, she was like, it's easier to hate people from a distance. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's so true, especially that's of so like b- existing online. Or maybe she said it's harder to hate people up close. That's what she said. Um, and I was like, that is so true. Yes. These people would not say these things to me in real life, hopefully. Ever. No, ever. I feel like you, though, you have like such a lovely community in this platform. And I am curious how you decide what to share and how much. I am a chronic oversharer, both in person and on the internet. And it's been a journey. I think I'm still figuring out how much of myself and my story should I put out there. So I love talking to other people who share their lives online. Like, where are you at with this? Because <laughs> I learned so much from it. Same. Well, I'm going to, so I'm currently in this really existential place about it. Like I keep obsessing lately about how I can tell that I've censored myself but it's an accident like I even talked about it in my stories last night because I went on a tirade last night and I used to do that all the time and like about whatever emotional drama I'm dealing with (laughs) and and I was like wow that felt really good and my dms are full and they're never full anymore and it's like why have I come away from doing that and I think that the sad reality is like even if you don't realize that you're starting to get quieter and smaller, the it's the eight years of reading comments and it's eight yeah. years of DMs. You know, it's like, even if you're like, oh, I don't care. That doesn't bother me. Somewhere in the back of your brain, you remember that somebody said you were dramatic for posting a picture of yourself crying or you, yes. you know, you, maybe your kids are going to see this one day. You're a terrible mother. I mean, like all that is somewhere still in the back of your brain. Um, and it's just a constant, I have to constantly remind myself why I'm doing it. And, and admittedly, I have, I have been quieter because it's easier. And and it's not yeah. just, it's not just from raw storytelling, but any kind of 
I would say being vulnerable and sharing deep parts of your life is a form of activism and any sort of advocacy and activism is exhausting. And sometimes it feels better to take a break. And sometimes it's like, you know, you, even if you're, it's not conscious. So I was, you know, again, just reminded yesterday that like, I need to keep doing what people followed me for, which is like talking about the hard stuff and just sticking to the purpose. And I also believe that one thing that deters me is consumption. Like the more I consume other people's content, the smaller I seem to get. So I have to really also be careful to not just spend hours scrolling other people's stuff um, and just focus on my own work. That's so good. I need to go back and watch your stories before they expire. I feel like Instagram's so annoying with that. Like, I will never see the people whose content I really want to, you know, at the top of my feed. It's, it's, I, I love how you described it as like a form of, um, of activism because it is, it's a lot. Even when the responses are all positive, it's, I feel like you still like, you want to like sit with the responses. You know what I mean? You want to like make space for the people who are sharing their hearts with you. But I, I completely, I completely understand. I also am just curious, like with parenting, how you've decided, I mean, this is honestly me asking like as a friend, because Nora is only two years old and I am sometimes torn on like what to share, how much to share. Like basically I want to be able to separate, like, you know, as the listeners probably know, I've written about postpartum psychosis. And I want to be able to separate my experience as a mother from her, you know, journey just as a person in the world. But I feel like you do a really good job of it. I'm, I'm rambling a little bit, but I, I <laughs> hopefully you get the gist no. of what I'm asking of like yeah. how you found that balance. Yeah, I don't know if any of us really know the answers because obviously this is the first generation to be raised with like chronically online moms. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> So I try, I mean, the best I can do, I can tell you that it's a lot of it's intuitive. Like my oldest is almost 14 and I could tell when, well, first of all, we're, we have an open, you know, conversation house. So like he told me like, I don't want to be in a picture. Like, I don't want to, you know, I could tell when he started to want more privacy and, and I know that he, and then the older he gets, the more privacy he wants. Yeah. And I often joke that there's actually a hole in the market. Like, I wish I had more teen moms I could follow that could talk about, like, the teen years because they're it's like the wild, wild west and nobody knows what to do, but nobody can talk about it because of privacy. <laughs> like, nobody wants to embarrass their kids because especially, like, he has friends that know what I do. Like, they could look at my stories. Like, I don't really talk about him at all anymore. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, my daughter is old enough to, like, have agency over, like, she's obviously seven, so she doesn't, like, understand everything, but she gets to choose. My kids are a lot less in my content than they used to be just because Mm -hmm. I've never felt, I've just always felt weird about like, if they're not asking me to do something, it's hard for me to like make them do it. So I don't usually like take jobs or pitch jobs with sponsorships where like they have to be in it because that's too stressful for me. Cause I'm like, if they don't want to, I'm not going to make them. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, and I do want to bring the focus back to like my experience as a mom and a woman And, you know, it's, it's very nuanced because when I think about what I would feel like, which is totally hypothetical, um, you know, what would I feel like if my mom had journaled, like all the horrible, hard stuff, like, I don't know how I would feel as a teenager, I guess, but like, as an adult, I would be really grateful. 
Mm. Um, and one of the thing, one of the biggest things I want for my own daughter is should she choose to have children? Um, I don't want to sugarcoat what it's like. I think a lot of people go into having children because all they've ever heard of is like the good stories and like the fairy tale stories and how fulfilling it is. And like, A, I don't want her to make the decision based on false information. And B, if she does have kids, I don't want her to feel secluded or isolated. So yeah, but then at the same time, you know, I'm careful about it. I don't get on there and like post, you know, a a diatribe about like how annoying she is and how she's like making my life miserable. Like I'm not, you know, I try to be careful about it. (laughs) Right. But Yeah. yeah, I think it's, it's a balance that everybody's just trying to figure out. I appreciate that. I definitely have felt like, I mean, as I have a toddler, <laughs> very much in the terrible twos, and I've had to be like, okay, this is a situation that I'm going to like vent about in a group chat <laughs> with like her refusing mm-hmm. to listen and me really struggling rather than putting it out there just because it's not only for her, but it's also that I've realized like the unsolicited advice is so inescapable on the internet. And so I've kind of just, I don't know, I've made peace with the fact that if I post anything parenting related, people are going to tell me like what I did wrong and how I should have handled it. Well-meaning, like people who I'm sure love following me and are just trying to help, but like, it's just so much. I I think though that you made such a, a great point about the fact that when our kids are adults, that they might be grateful or proud. I feel like it's a kind of a really nice take on on it because I think that like so much of the conversation assumes like you know your kid will want to be embarrassed of how you struggled or you know the hard times you had and it may not be the case so thank you thank you for sharing that yeah but you're such a cool mom I mean we have to talk about the fact that Taylor Swift liked your TikTok that was my my claim to fame by like, I, like of all the things <laughs> I need to know how you felt in that moment because when when I when I saw your TikTok like saying showing your daughter I was like I don't know like I literally got chills (laughs) well it's funny because you never know you you know especially when it's like your kids and it's your content like it's hard to imagine like we were saying earlier like what will go viral or what will resonate with people you just don't know like that video was one second away from being an instructional voiceover video about what I packed in my bag like while while I was editing it, I was just like, these clips about like my bag and stuff like just don't fit. Like there's so many good clips of Charlie, my daughter, that I should just make this about like her day. And it was just such a like, okay, well I'm gonna make it about Charlie's day. And then you know, and Swifties are great anyway. Like they're just a great fandom. Like people watch it, and it doesn't even matter if they're a Swiftie. They're like, yes, this is amazing. But um. Yeah, there's obviously like millions of videos being posted all the time because they, the tour is so big and all that kind of stuff. And so like, yeah, never in my wildest dreams. And then I started getting all the comments like, Taylor liked, you know, like. <laughs> People always do that. Like, wake up, Taylor liked your video. I was I like, see no that one. freaking way. <laughs> and then I was like, this is going to make Charlie's life because she's been obsessed with Taylor Swift since she was like born. And like she's been watching Miss Americana the documentary like every morning before school this week. She does this sometimes like just she just does it. Like she told me the other day she was like, "Mom, I can't stop thinking about how upset I am about what Kanye West said about Taylor Swift like 10 years ago." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's fine. Like we can just let it go. It's old now." <laughs> she's obsessed with Taylor Swift. So, 
I did not expect her to cry though. And I filmed her reaction also. And I was like, oh my God, Taylor Swift liked your video. And she like burst into tears. And I was like, oh my God, I love you. You're so amazing. So yeah, that was, that was the highlight of my career, at least in Charlie's eyes. That's amazing. That's, I mean, that is objectively so cool. I mean, I, I feel like one, I grew up, I was only going to, which we've talked about a little bit, Christian concerts. <laughs> same, concerts. same. So like being able to go with your, with your mom to see like the biggest pop star, you know, of the moment is just like so fun. But I also love your content because I sometimes feel like I'm in the trenches of parenting. And so watching you like hang out with your kids, I'm like, okay, well, that's down the road. That kind of goes back to, and I love that I can openly talk to you about this because you have experience with mental health struggles. And like, I feel like not everybody gets this conversation, but, and I just spoke at a conference on this topic of like parenting difficult having (laughs) parenting difficult children or children with like neurodivergent tendencies as someone with mental health issues and neurodivergent tendencies and like how triggering your own kids can be and the guilt that causes and so what I do is play up my strengths and document the hell out of my strengths and I don't mean to do that to be like misleading or to be a highlight reel but like kind of going back to what we were saying about like what will your kids think one day? Like if they do read my struggles, I also want them to know that like, I really tried hard at the things I'm good at. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I'm not good at a lot of things. I'm not good at patience and, you know, playing and um, I'm not, I don't have a lot of patience for a lot of things, but I tried to really embrace the things they were really interested in. And I'm really good at like birthday parties. Like, People be like, oh, you're such a good mom for this birthday party. I'm like, no, I just like it. I just happen <laughs> yeah. to like it. Like I like throwing a party and makes my kids happy. So I am banking on that and I am documenting it. So one day they can be like, okay, like she put her energy into the things she was good at. And I think it's, you know, I think I understand. And I've even myself talked about like, you know, people are only posting good things on Instagram and like. But I am, I also am like, we go through so much as women and as mothers that I'm like, if I just want to post how I have, to your point, thrown my daughter a great birthday party or had a fun day with her, like, people know that it's messy behind the scenes, you know? I, I think that that's so, that's so important um, to, well, to and have. I think, yeah. yeah, when you're showing the balance, that's important. And also, you know, the really hard stuff, I mostly put in my stories. Like I'm not going to write a whole blog post about like how miserable I, my kids made me. Yeah. Um, that's actually know, such I a good talk point. about yeah. it in stories. And yeah. It's- and it's gone yeah. 24 hours. <laughs> no, I think that that's great. Um, so I know we've kind of talked about you going viral for writing about your daughter, but I am curious to know how you decided to write about mental health um, and just like, it hasn't always been cool to, okay, maybe it isn't even cool now, but it hasn't always been cool to be like, hey, I have a mental illness. Hey, I take medication or I go to therapy. Like, I remember I first started sharing about this probably like nine or 10 years ago. And at that point, people were like, what? Like <laughs> so, Tumblr days where the emo kids yes, were like on Tumblr talking about it. Yeah, definitely Tumblr. I think my main, my main question is like, what made you start and what makes you keep going like why like 
what motivates you to continue to share? Because it can be hard. Well, I didn't realize, I mean, I knew that I had like a history of anxiety and depression. I've been having panic attacks since I was nine. So it's like, mm-hmm. I I did know that like something was up. I knew that my mom had, and we're estranged now, but like my, I knew that my mom growing up had issues. Like I was aware that it was like a thing that existed. Um, but as I've like mentioned before, I grew up in a really religious household and it wasn't acknowledged as real. And, you know, it was looked at as like a spiritual deficit. Um, so I really didn't have a lot of guidance until I was an adult on what to even do. And honestly, it wasn't until my first child was 18 months old. So I was probably like 24. And, um, he, like, I knew that my issues were like making me a worse mom. And that was the first time I actually felt motivated enough to like see a professional before that. It was just kind of like, nah, I'll be fine. But when it, when I felt like it was affecting another person, that was when I was like, I need to see somebody. And, um, and I did. And that was when I first like got on medication and started therapy, um, like my mid, my mid twenties and, and, and then realized like, wow, this helped so much. I could have been doing a lot better, a lot sooner, but you know, that was what kind of started for me. And then I was so hyper aware of that, that when I got pregnant with my second, I, you know, immediately was like, if there's something safe I can take, like, I know that perinatally my issues are exacerbated. And so I did like, I, I was, that was the first pregnancy that I like took medication during, um, also did for my third pregnancy, but, um, yeah. And then like I worked in labor and delivery and when I worked in the hospital and I also like got a certification as a doula and I've just always felt really passionate about being with women in really vulnerable times. That's just kind of always been like a thread throughout my whole, all my careers. (laughs) And I've just always felt like creating a vulnerable, safe place is so important. Um, especially in a society that overlooks um, women's needs a lot. So I've just always really felt innately pushed to do it. And of course, every time I share about it, my inbox is full of people, regardless of whatever the topic is, of people relating. And then the, the further I got into this and the more connections I made, like in maternal mental health advocacy and organizations I could volunteer with and things like that, you know, I've just continued to see the disparities and the statistics. And the more I learn about, you know, maternal health in general, the the more I feel pushed to do something about it with my platform. Yeah, I, it's so funny how our own experiences, I think, form, you know, our approach to this. It's almost like, I don't want to say that no one talks about it, because I, I did have some inkling of like, postpartum depression from the time that I was young, but it's it can be so scary. You know, especially when you don't have the framework like you. I grew up in a religious household where I did not get on medication until I was in college and I could have used it from the time that I was much younger than that. You know, I'm so glad that you shared. I'm so grateful for the work that you do. It's such a breath of fresh air. And and as I as I mentioned, you know, just someone who also shares online, I feel like I, I love the balance that you found. And yeah, I just I love everything about it. So Anyone who's listening, like, yeah, yeah. Thank you. I think sometimes we like fill the hole of, you know, I was consuming blogs and 
looking at blogs back then and just felt like if there were people out there who were like divorced or struggling with mental health or any of those things, like they weren't talking about it. I mean, there were a few like Jenny Lawson and Heather Armstrong and like there were a few who like started blogging and immediately, you know, we're talking about their struggles and obviously like they paved the way for a lot of us. Um, it's definitely trendier than ever now. And I say that in a good way. Yeah. Like, I'm glad that more people are feel safe I'm talking to about, talk it, about yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Katie, this has been so wonderful. So grateful for your time and your energy and your internet presence. How what's the most for people to connect with you if they want to just learn more about you? Well, my website is katiecrenshaw.com and then I'm on Instagram at katiemcrenshaw.com. No, katiemcrenshaw, <laughs> no.com. And there's a link in my bio that will kind of take you to all my different facets of what I do. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Asked by Ayana. I hope that you enjoyed the listen. If you're looking for a way to support the podcast, taking the time to leave a rating or review or sharing it with someone who you think may enjoy it is a huge help and goes a long way. See you next week. Thank you.